0: Well, hello again. Um, one of the things that interests me um, a lot, other than wildlife, is history. And uh, I love seeing old ruins um, or, or towns, cities, that um, have a long history and they're still um, intact. At least some of the, the ancient buildings are intact. And uh, you can um, see them almost as people hundreds of years ago would have seen them. So... One, this is one of the reasons I moved back to Europe <laughs> from Australia uh, because I love um, the old history. And one of the a trip I did it was a while back now. It was in 2013, but a friend of mine had suggested doing a cruise around the Mediterranean, and um, I hadn't done one before. And I thought, well, I'll give it a go, and it's it, it means unpacking once, <laughs> and uh, then seeing lots of different places. And it was, it was actually quite fun. And um, I've not done a cruise since. But if, if it's something that you're thinking about doing i'd certainly uh, recommend it now one of the great things about him we'd actually met in egypt um a few years earlier we were doing a trip um a, a, around uh, well essentially down the nile looking at um uh, the ruins from ancient egypt so um yeah abu symbol um luxor all sorts of places like that and then obviously the pyramids so he he'd arranged this trip and he was also arranging several Side trips and he asked me um, where i'd like to go and i had a couple of suggestions and um so what we did on three occasions uh three occasions two occasions we on the first one we stopped we actually stopped in jerusalem so i was interested in um seeing some sites around there and uh the ship actually came into port uh one place in israel i can't remember now and then we headed off Uh, he'd organised somebody to take us around. So we headed off for the day, went and saw a bunch of places, um, stayed in Jerusalem overnight, which I found quite interesting, in the German quarter. And um, then we went off and saw some some more things. So there was an opportunity to wander around Jerusalem that that evening and the following morning. And then later on in the day, we, we headed off again and we met the ship at a different port. So that was quite a cool thing about being on the cruise and we also did a similar thing in um in egypt the the ship came into alexandria but we um basically left alexandria when the ship came in uh stayed down in cairo uh, that night and then but we actually returned back to alexandria so there was a couple of um little side trips we did another one we did that i want to talk about is was in turkey and this was visiting the Roman port of Ephesus, which um, isn't, well, it's not a port anymore for two reasons. One is it's, it's a ruin, and secondly, it's not on the sea <laughs> because um, the, the coastline has changed since uh, Roman times. But one of the things, or the reason I, I kind of picked Ephesus is that if you go there, now there's kind of plus and minus about this. In a lot of places you go, there are ruins. Around, but you, they're they're kind of cordoned off, and you can't get ready access to them. And that that's good because I, I think it's important that we preserve um, what we can of, of these buildings. And but obviously, that also is very expensive. It's it's um, cost quite a lot of money to um, protect these old buildings to restore them. In some cases, that certainly goes on in places like Herculaneum and Pompeii. They're gradually um, restoring um, some of the old um, frescoes and things like that to so they're closer to their original condi- condition in some parts of, of those cities um, so but not all countries can afford that and obviously with having tourists come in that that's an important source of revenue to um, have that kind of conservation work carried carry, carry out but it's not always the place so with Ephesus because it's actually very big and um, it is quite a big site. I didn't think to check how it compares to Pompeii. If you've been there, Pompeii is large as well. You can—I've uh, been lost in Pompeii, <laughs> so um, that's uh, not a particularly good claim to fame, um, and not a unique one either. But it—it's quite a large place. So Ephesus is similar. The great thing about Ephesus, though, is that some of the buildings are. The, the library is amazing, and that's still um, there's a large part of it uh, remaining. But also, um, there are uh, mosaics. On the ground, and when I was there, you could you could actually walk on them if you wanted to. I, I tend not to do that, but you could do that. The thing I did do was just walk into some of the old houses, and um, they're in a state of ruin. Now they don't have roofs, but you can see uh, the line of the street. You, you would you know know they were front the front door you were walking through, and then into you could work out what some of the rooms were. And the thing I love about that is. It's possible to just stop for a moment and try and imagine who was walking through that door maybe um, 1500, 1800, 2000 years earlier. And, you know, what was what was behind them? What was in the house? Who was there? What was it like in there? Was it light? Was it dark? Um, was it a. Presumably, uh, some of these were from relatively lower status um dwellings for people but what would what were they like what was their day-to-day life like and when they stepped out of their home what were they stepping into was it a busy street what were the smells like the sounds i'm sure some of the smells weren't that spectacular or at least not in a pleasant way but you know what are the other um things they would have seen and heard so this is what gives me one of the things that gives me a buzz about going to old places um, what I also like to do is look at buildings. Now I'm now going to jump to well, Jerusalem is one place where you can see buildings like this, but there are many. I mean, almost any um, city of, of any um, kind of antiquity, if you like, say one, two, three hundred years old. A lot of them get repurposed, and the things I tend to look at are um, signs in the in walls, for example, where there was once a window that's been filled in. So you might have the lintel still there and the bricks are different where the window once was. Or there might be a door that's been filled in or it might be a large door on a, an old warehouse that's now being filled in and the whole building's been repurposed. Even places like Sydney, which you know on that kind of scale is quite a, a relatively new city if you go down to the rocks and um, some of the hotels there and some of the buildings in the rocks, you can see where they were originally warehouses, and there were these large um, openings at a sort of first and second floor level, uh, so uh, not ground floor, but upper level or two, where they would have been putting um, goods in through the windows. So that that was one of the great things about Epsos. You sort of really had very, very ready access to um, just experience in a slightly different way some of these places which ordinary people would have lived in and you know how many generations lived in in that house was it the same family generation after generation living in the same house was it a particular group of workers who might come and go depending on um how business was how um you know food supplies were all this kind of thing you know how well the port was doing uh, Were there was there conflict all this sort of stuff that influences people's day-to-day life so for me, well, this is one of the joys of photography. It's getting in there, and I'll take photographs of um, ruins, if you like, um, and I like to look at close-ups. One, I'm not a religious person, but one of the things I do like to um, to visit, uh, not in Ephesus so much, but um, I mean, where I grew up in England, there was an old church. And the thing about churches, and this church would have been... Um, probably, um, I'm just trying to remember now, maybe 500 years old, something like that. Um, The people of that time who were building these things, they were, um, religion was played a much larger role in their lives than it does in a lot of our lives these days. You you know, a lot of us, myself included, not religious, don't follow a particular um, set of beliefs, so I don't go to church, that kind of thing. But going back a few hundred years... Um, religion play, played a very big part in people's day-to-day lives so any work they did that related to um, things like churches they would put literally their heart and soul into what they were doing and you see the most amazing detailed work and it's something I love from going around these um, often little churches in um, in England where I grew up Um, they would be in little villages or little towns or even in um, you know this is in a new town where I grew up it was a place called Hemel Hempstead uh, which is one of the new towns that was built after the Second World War but it was built next to a much older town that uh, can be traced back to the Doomsday Book which was 1069 I think Uh, the Doomsday Book which was if you're not familiar the Doomsday Book was a survey that the Normans Carried out when they conquered the Anglo Saxons in 1066. So this is William the Conqueror and the Battle of Hastings and all this sort of stuff. Um, but once they'd, well, I'll call it pacified, it was actually quite brutal the whole process. But once they'd pacified um, England that they'd conquered, they decided to see what they'd actually got. So they did this really the first detailed census of um, certainly of England. And it listed all of the settlements, villages, you know, everything, and um, how many people living there, what animals they had. All of this was to be used for taxation. Uh, but it's it's an amazing document now, We're looking at it from um, almost a thousand years later. So, if you're in, if you're travelling, and you go to these old places, I. So just have a look around and, you know, look above street level as well. One of the things I like to do is just look up <laughs> a little bit. Most people tend to look straight ahead of them and, frankly, don't see much else. So I'm always looking around. I'm looking down. I'm looking to the sides. I'm looking up and um, seeing what's there. So going back to uh, Ephesus, that that's a slightly different situation because it is a ruin. I mean, it's just um, a destroyed um, Roman city, so there was nothing... Um, or the the parts that I was looking at, there was no real use made of them once. It was abandoned by the Romans, and I don't know the history of Ephesus um, to to really say more about it than that. Um, But it wasn't a place that stayed in constant use for hundreds of years after the Romans um, left Turkey, or or were not using the city anymore. So that's one of the things that gives me a buzz. And so again, my recommendation is if you get a chance to look at these places, it's good if you can do a bit of research as well. So I did manage to impress my friend because I was looking at one building we went into, which was in a a group of buildings that were being um, conserved. So they were um, enclosed uh, and you couldn't walk among the rooms as you could with other parts of, of Ephesus. But there was a building there with a lot of little pillars of, um, tiles and i recognized them as the stacks that go up to make a hyper which is um, essentially it's under floor heating the, the romans would do so the um and, and this would be used in a high stages building so the floor would be maybe a meter off the ground the actual floor level that people would walk on and it was supported by lots of these little pillars that were built up and then um essentially a piping or a Um, You know, a a route was made out of that room to a separate building where they had a furnace. And essentially what they did was uh, channel hot air and make it circulate around underneath the floor. So, um, you know, Roman underfloor heating, it was um, pretty good. But obviously doing something like that is uh, a relatively expensive and complicated, I guess, thing to do. And it required... Um, obviously, the Romans used slaves, uh, unfortunately, but that was the, the nature of things. Um, they would use them to constantly service and maintain the hypercourse when it was needed. So, obviously, you needed a, it would be in a building that was of a, belonging to somebody of um, a relatively high status, so quite wealthy, to be able to afford all of that. So, there are certain clues that when you begin to look around, well, point to the use of the building or how it's been reused and repurposed over time. Um, but again, if you look at detail in um, in different buildings, there's some just amazing work there. So this is something I, I tend to do. And I said in a, another podcast that I don't do a lot of snaps as such when I'm traveling. I tend to just shoot um, photographs that I plan to use one way or another, but I don't do... Um, sort of snapshots for fun, as it were. It's not that I don't have fun with photography, but what I find is that when I've taken those photographs, I very rarely look at them again. So I, I just, you know, can very easily finish up with thousands of photographs on, on hard drives or in storage somewhere that I am not looking at. And I've, I tend to be fairly pragmatic about what's happening with my storage. So there you go. So that was really, um, just something that I like to do, and I, and I mentioned Jerusalem, spending a, um, a night there. We, we um, went to an older part of the, the city. So I don't know if you know, but Jerusalem, um, was part of its history was destroyed in AD 70 by uh, the Romans, and then it was essentially rebuilt. But some of the old cities survived. I believe that the Wailing Wall, that's obviously very important for people of the Jewish faith. The Wailing Wall is part of that original city, but other parts remain from the the older city. And Jerusalem has been destroyed and rebuilt several times um, in antiquity. Uh, But what I could see at uh, on one particular street, and it was pretty; it had been cleared, so it was essentially a wall and a pavement and nothing. But what I could see on in the wall were um, just regular small sort of square um, openings and look I don't know what they were but to my eye I just looked and thought well, they, they could potentially be where you would put place um, a support for an awning or something like that and this was quite a wide street so rather than being something quite sterile it may have been a street where, where there would have been awnings set up and stalls selling one thing or another or services or whatever it might be and to, to my mind, just looking around and imagining how something could have been used begins to bring it alive. And you can almost picture the people rushing to get whatever they needed and then go off to the next thing they were doing. And, uh, you know, much as we do today, people people used to get in a hurry <laughs> in antiquity as well as now and would be in a rush or forget things or need to get their food or whatever else they were doing. So just ordinary people doing the ordinary things, but in a different um, in a different time and, and this is what I like to to look at um, in those kind of locations so I'm, I'm beginning to feel like I'm repeating myself a bit so I'm going to stop but I hope that's given you an idea to just to look around if nothing else when you're in somewhere even where you live it doesn't have to be somewhere unusual if you live in a place that has been around for a little while, it's always good to acquaint yourself with it and start viewing it as you would somewhere new because when we go somewhere new, we tend to be taking it all in. Whereas where we live, place we go every day, there's a, um, what's the saying? Familiarity breeds contempt. And I believe it does. And I believe it stops us from really stopping and having a look around and beginning to get a feel for the history. Now, you may be one of those people who's really into local history, and that's fantastic. I absolutely applaud that um, because... Particularly, if it's somewhere you've grown up, you are part of that story, at least for this period of time. And it's good to have a sense of what's gone before so that you know how you fit into that story. And I think that begins to make this sort of history, however long it is, much more personal. So, again, that to me is interesting. And if you can capture some of that in your photography and in another podcast I talk about. What to do with your photographs and one of those might be to create a photo book which could be more of a story then maybe there's context for you to place your observations that you've made using photographs into um, something more contextual say a photo book with a story and maybe even some personal anecdotes if you know stories from your own family maybe you have access to old photographs that you can scan and include there and tie those into the story of the place that you live or the, the place that you're doing the photo book about anyway that that may well be something that you could do as a project and might be quite rewarding and of of interest to not only your family but people who live in the area so there you go a few ideas but um i've I've naturally veered wildly off topic but i hope you found that interesting maybe giving you some ideas so um whatever you're doing i hope you enjoy that and have a great day and um, i will speak to you again in the next podcast so uh, enjoy i'll speak to you soon bye for now just before i go i want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is information available through my website and um, also on the uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcast and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now.